What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Essential 11. As always, we are brought to you by Acton Academy, Acton Academy Placer, Apogee Strong, and our friends over at Discover Praxis. Uh, today, we have an Apogee Strong call, and uh, if you don't know who this gentleman is already, you've been missing out. Uh, maybe you've heard of First Form, maybe you've heard of uh, the Real AF podcast, maybe you've heard of 75 Hard, uh, that challenge. Maybe you haven't heard any of it, but either way, you're about to hear uh, about it, and this is a man that you need to follow and, and really needs no introduction, an amazing CEO, amazing human, um, and pouring into our young men of Apogee Strong. Give it up for Mr. Andy Frizzella. we got some glare happening with the lights. Look at this. I, I thought you were just an angel, man. You just had, like, ah. weren't you always just backlit because of the angelic, you know, whatever? Oh, here we go. <laughs> there <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> hey, bro, I, I do the best I can, but that might be a stretch. That might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no way to go up from there. How you doing, sir? I'm great. How are you? Man, doing doing phenomenally. And it is uh, it is an honor to have you on, brother, man. I appreciate you taking the time for these young guys. Hey, it, you know what? It's, it's, it's what we do, man. It's what yes, we got to do. Yes, sir. I well, I, I'm honored that, you know, like I told you via text, yeah, I'm honored man. that you guys wanted to hear from me. No, no better guy, man. These young men that you see here, we got young men from quite literally all over the world that are able to join us on this. Some that'll catch the recording and then, uh, you know, it goes out all over the world for the essential 11 podcast. And, um, these young men in particular though, that, that Timmy and I are mentoring through Apogee Strong, brother. They're committing. It's 12 months of projects, of challenges, of readings, of jumping on every week with the most amazing leaders on the planet like yourself. And they're committed to being the leaders this country needs, brother. They're they're the freaking raddest young men. It's the best. It's the only way it's the only way we can fix things. That's it. Starting from the way. starting from the ground freaking up, That's man. Right. So yeah, so it is it is an honor, man. Um and I know you do you know, I know you do a bunch of podcasts. I know you do, um, you know, I mean, you, you got media out the wazoo. You got your own podcast. You're on a bunch. Obviously, one of my one of the only saved podcasts I have is uh, you and, and our mutual friend, Ryan Mickler, um, one of my oh, favorites yeah. of all time, man. Um, so Ryan. I know you get these questions all the time, man, but I want to give these guys who some of them might not know who you are a little background. You as a young man to starting first form, dude, because your story, brother, and your, you know, your perspective is something I just vibe with so freaking much, man. And I think these guys need to hear it, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I grew up here. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, I grew up on a small little gravel road um, in, in the white, the, the white trash part of town. Okay. That's what we're going to call it. Right. Um the poor part of uh, we live we, like you guys have probably, well, these guys might not have, but you know, the joke uh, down by the river. Yes, sir. Um, literally my bus route that I rode to school on was the bus route that picked up everybody from the river. So um, if that gives you an idea of wh where, where I grew up uh, that's about as humble as it gets. Um, I didn't have any special skills growing up. You know, I was just a chubby little dude. Uh, I spent most of my time playing, uh, playing baseball in the backyard. And uh, with my brother who ended up having a professional career, um, I became a pretty good athlete myself um, just from the time we spent outdoors doing things, but I wasn't smart. I wasn't gifted. Um, everything that I ever did in my life, I had to work very hard at. Uh, my brother was very good with people. He's a very good athlete. Um, I, I, I was able to be learn and to become better, uh, but I wasn't gifted and I never have been. And I'm thankful for that, by the way. Yes, sir. And I'll get to the point of that in a, here in a second. Um, but I spent a lot of my time as a young, a, a little young dude, uh, even when I was seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, uh, always fascinated with entrepreneurship. Um, I was the kid that was, you know, selling lemonade having a lemonade stand, uh, I sold baseball cards door to door. I sold light bulbs door to door. Um, anytime at school, we used to have these sales contests, you know, to fundraise. I dominated all that. That was one thing that I was pretty interested in. And I took the competition aspect that I learned from sports and applied it into those mm -hmm. things. And um, I learned right away that that's a pretty good way to go about business. Uh, through high school, I played uh, sports year round. Um, you know, I had a number of division one offers uh, to play football. 
the biggest of which were at the University of Colorado and then Colorado State. So, I mean, these are at the time when I was coming out of high school, that was these guys yeah, were powerhouses. Legit. Yep. Yeah. And um, I, I, I got into uh, girls and I got into uh, smoking marijuana and drinking and uh, I lost interest in football and um, <clears throat> not saying that because I'm proud of it. I'm just saying I'm just going to tell you guys the truth. Yep. Um, that was a hard time for me, for my family and everybody, because everybody had expectations of me to go do this sports thing. And, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter is I didn't believe in myself. Uh, I knew I was, I was good, but I didn't believe I could play at that level because I was always surrounded by coaches who told me, uh, that I wasn't good enough. And I was surrounded by teachers that told me I wasn't good enough. Um, when I went into my guidance counselor, uh, my senior year of high school, I was getting ready to take the ACT. Um, he said, uh, Hey, you know, where do you want to go to school? And I said, well, I'd love to go to university of Texas or Notre Dame play football. And he said, well, you know, those schools are for cream of the crop and, and Andy, you're just not cream of the crop. And, uh, and that stuck with me, yes, you sir. know, that was something that, that, and that was a make or break moment for me because I could have let that bury me, but instead I chose to let it drive me. And um, I started my business the next year. So I started my business at uh, just 19 years old. Uh, um, we started with $12,000. Chris, my business partner and I uh, started with $12,000 that we earned from painting the stripes on parking lots with this um, uh, older brother of a friend we had. And uh we were off and running, man. And, you know, everybody thought we were crazy and everybody thought we were, were insane and, and nobody believed in us. Um, everybody, you know, from the girls we were dating at the time to our friends to, to, you know, I think our parents were supportive. But looking back, I, I don't I mean, I know for sure that they didn't think that we were going to be able to do what we've done. Yeah. Um, but the point is, we didn't have support. And I always talk to young men about this concept because it's important is that anytime you try something new, anytime you try to build something for yourself, um, people will not believe in you until after you've accomplished accomplished it. So one of the biggest things that I try to get people to understand is that that's a pretty normal experience when you try something new, because you're, you're, um, you know, you're stepping outside the realm of what normal is for most people and usually that threatens people. That makes people feel insecure. It makes people feel like they're missing out. It makes people feel like maybe they missed the boat and they project that onto us and say, you know, well, you'll never be able to do that because they know that they'll never be able to do that. And um, that's, you know, I dealt with that for a long time. You know, I was in my twenties, uh, you know, by 30 years old, I was running a business for 11 years. You know, the first, the first 10 years uh, in business, um, let's see the first three years I made $0. I slept in the back of our retail store for two years. Um, the next seven years I made $695 a month. Uh, by the time we were in 10 years in, I had made $58,000 over the course of 10 years. Wow. But what people fail to realize during that time is that I reinvested and Chris reinvested for a long time back into the infrastructure of our business. Yeah. And um, in 2009, we started First Form. Um, we still have our retail company. We've got like 30 something stores right now. Um, but we started First Form in 2009 and, uh, you know, with zero sales, we started selling it in, in just in our own stores. And, uh, you know, over the years, we had our challenges and our ups and downs and our, our, our issues and um, made every mistake that you could make and just tried not to make them twice and That's never right. quit. And now here we are, uh, you know, we've got close to 400 employees here on site. Uh, our company's worth three to $4 billion. Um, and all of it is from just not quitting and not making the same mistake twice. So, uh, yeah, man. that's that's the story, man. You know, I, I started a podcast too. in 2015. Uh, that was a big driver for us. It was called the MFCEO Project, yeah. which if you guys listen to, um, it's all about how to win in life and entrepreneurship and all of these things. Uh, and then in 2019, I started to see what was happening in the world. And I decided to get more vocal with my social views uh, because I think it was needed. 
And so I've dedicated the last two years to basically, uh, you know, calling out the nonsense that's going on with our government. Um, and as soon as we get it fixed, I plan on going back to making money. That's right. <laughs> you know, God. so, so uh, dude, so good, man. So much, so much good stuff that I want to unpack for these young guys right here, man. The, for sure. the, you know, that concept of, uh, I love what you said right at the, right at the very beginning going, man, I'm not, I wasn't talented. And I, and I started out from, you know, and it, uh, the humble beginnings. And some people might say that it's just that you started out at the bottom, started out in the shitty situation, started out yeah. as a, you know, and talk to these guys about writing their own story. You don't get to write the beginning of it. Somebody That's else right. wrote the beginning for you. And so somebody else's story started out way cooler than yours. Somebody else's story started out way shittier than yours too. Regardless, it's your time. You now have to write the rest of that story. And the mm -hmm. sooner you wrap your freaking head around that, the better. And I love that you said that, man, because we build, you know, I build schools uh, on top of working with these young guys and, and shout out to your, your, your uh, you know, Mike and Andrea Taylor too, dude. So rad. So, yeah. so glad to be hooked up with them and, and helping them out. They're awesome. They are super, super great people. And, you know, as we're building out these schools, I've taken some of these young, young folks here, we're in a decent socioeconomic area here in California. And we go to these events. And I remember going to one a couple of years ago, and there was a bunch of um, what they're called the Quinania kids. And so they're a bunch of uh, it's foster kids, right? And the foster kids were asking certain questions to the speakers. And then we had our kids asking certain questions. And we come back, I go, all right, guys, what was your, what was some of your takeaways? They're like, oh, it was just really cool to see, you know, these underprivileged kids uh, asking all these questions. And I went, I think you're the underprivileged ones because you've got mommy and daddy always to fall back on. Yeah, dude, there's, a, there's so much, I mean, being where I'm at now. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can speak to that very, very yes, strongly. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I was very bitter the first 10 years we were in business. Yeah. That time I mentioned where we weren't making any money. Um, it was very, very, very uh, difficult mentally for me because I felt like it was unfair. And, and, and I felt like, um, you know, people could have helped me that chose not to help me. Right. And I felt like other people had bigger advantages than I did. And you know what, all those things were true, but here's the good thing about it. And this is what you guys have to understand is that the, the more you struggle in the early days, the more lessons you're going to learn and the more skills you're going to learn. Okay. So when you, don't have anybody to depend on. You have to learn to depend on yourself. And when you learn to depend on yourself and see your struggles as a lesson learning opportunity, because here's the thing, man, business and entrepreneurship success in life, it, 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 it really only comes down to two things. It comes down to discipline and it comes down to skills. And it's not hope. It's not wishing. It's not, uh, you know, fairness. It's just not. The rea it's reality. So you have to have skills and you have to have discipline. And those two things will take you all the way. Um, and how you develop skills is by pursuing your dreams through your hardships. Because every single time you get punched in the face, every single time you get kicked to the ground, you pick up a new skill, okay? It's no different than touching the hot stove, right? Like when you guys were little kids, you guys touched the hot stove and you said, oh shit, I'm not gonna touch that again right? That's all it is when it comes to business. People think that it's about not making mistakes. No, you're going to make a shit ton of mistakes. What it's really about is not making the same mistake twice. That's right. Because every single time you can learn from that mistake, you're putting a new skill into your tool belt that you can then recall, recall later and utilize. Whereas the people who have mom and dad backing them up, or, you know, they're running a family business or they're three generations in, and, you know, they've been rich their whole, these people do not have these skills. And this is something that I've learned. So all of these people who had a better start than me now get their, they get their asses kicked by me because I've built all these skills. So, you know, you guys have to recognize that the hard things you're going to go through are very necessary to the result that you're trying to produce. Bingo. Fire, aim, ready. It's not ready, aim, fire. Fire, aim, ready. You go. You go first. Yes. And then you mess up and you let that give you a little bit of direction for the next step. And then you mess up again, but you let that give you a little bit more direction. That's it. And that's the game, right? It's, it's that that's backwards it, thing. And what we talk about too, and, and you know, and, and I'm interested, um, you know, hearing your story on how you kind of went through and what you think uh, the reasons were behind going through this stuff. So we talk... Um, 
you know, I talk to parents all the time too, and especially, you know, being in education and, you know, when their kids are young and their kid starts taking their, they're crawling and they kind of pull themselves up on the couch and then they start to take that first step and they, and they kind of wobble. The parents are like, Oh, okay. All right. And then they fall on their ass. What does the parent do? The parent claps. It's like, yes, you're trying to walk. And that kid goes, Oh, okay. They get up, they stumble again and they fall on their ass. And the parent goes, yes. Right. They, they freaking encourage it. And because they know that the outcome is, Hey, pretty damn soon, my kid's going to be walking. And then Mm -hmm. we get to this thing called freaking school and we're taught failure is no longer a good thing. And so then their kid proverbially falls down, metaphorically falls down and they're like, what is going on? What's wrong with you? We got to fix it. Failure is not right. We switch that mindset and that screws people up because we start avoiding those freaking mistakes. So you know, you, you're the kid that's out selling lemonade, you're going through and you're willing to push through 10 years of making nothing. Do you think that is a part of that was a DNA thing where you had that entrepreneurial DNA and that grit and I'm not going to quit Was sports a part of that parenting? Is it all the above? Like what gave you that grit, man, to keep pushing through? Um, I think, I think a lot of what you said, you know, combined, right. But I think the biggest thing, um, is that I didn't have any other options. Okay. So I talk a lot about zero. Yeah. I talk a lot about having a zero option mentality. Yeah. All right. That's something that I, that I think is essential for someone to succeed in life. Um, too often we try to operate with two or three or four backup plans and those backup plans, even thinking about them takes energy away from our focus of what we truly want. Yeah. And so my, personal experience. And I've been fortunate enough to coach literally thousands of high level entrepreneurs, all the ones that I admire that I look up to, they all operate with the same mentality. They, they operate with the mentality of we are going to do this no matter what it takes, no matter how long it takes, no matter what, who gets in our way, if someone gets in our way, we're running them over. Yes, sir. That's what people who actually win uh, operate with. So they don't think about like, like, I don't think about, uh, during those times, you know, back then, uh, what got me through was I'm like, well, man, this is still better, better than digging ditches or doing concrete, which is what I was doing before. Right. So I didn't have any options, but now I have all the options, but you know what? I work harder now than I worked when I was then. That's right. Yeah. And because now, now the, 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 the obligation to win is not just about myself. I'm already winning, man. Yeah. I won. Yeah. Like, like if you guys saw my life, you would think it was, it, it's, it's everything that you would think a successful person's life is it's all, like, it's house, it's money, house, all playing a house money at this point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yep. So now my obligation has shifted to all the people that work for me and that, that are associated with my company. And when I shifted that purpose off of myself onto them, I actually learned that I had a whole bunch of other gears that I didn't, I didn't know I had, Yeah, you know? And so now I come to work 23 years into this and, and, and I'm better than I was even in the beginning. So uh, I think, you know, understanding that, uh, you know, you have to put a, because here's the thing, brother, if you have, if, if let's just say you and I are competing in a, in a business. Okay. And you have, two other backup plans behind you. And then you have a third one, which is mom and dad are going to pay right. if things go bad. Yeah. And I'm over here with no, none of that. And I'm, I'm using all my energy to go in on the goal of building this business. And you're splitting your energy up between one, two or three options. It's just an, it's, it's nature that the person who puts all their energy into achieving the goal is going to win over the person who separates their energy across multiple things. This is why I get so frustrated with people like Gary V who I love, by the way, is a great friend of mine, but he's always talking about hacks and side hustles and this and this and this. When in reality, in my opinion, in my life, it's been way more productive to dig in on one thing and become a true expert at it. And, uh, and then spider out from there once you're established in that role. That's right. Be a And by the way, ninja. I love Gary V. So a good friend of mine. Totally. Yeah. Gary's great, man. And Gary's done some great. We had Gary on the podcast. He did. He's done some great things, some shout outs for us for the school. Um, nothing but respect for, for the Gary. best thing about him and I is that we can disagree all the time. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. 
and it's all right. Absolutely. Because at the end of the freaking day, we all are going to disagree on something, but the chances That's are it. we freaking agree on way more. Let's come together around that and That's figure it. out the other shit. I mean, it's not that yeah. freaking hard, man. Like you, you, you and I are on the same mission, brother. That's it. Gary's on the same mission. Yes, we're, sir. We're, we all just see it a little different. That's exactly it, man. That's exactly it. And I love the common thread of what you were just talking about right there, too, from going from the the you know, painting the stripes and, and digging up this concrete to go into no money to now your obligation around something else. The key word that you use throughout all there is the purpose too, right? You had that singular focus and you have purpose. And that's one of the questions we get a lot from, from young men. I get a lot from parents too. They're like, how do I help my kid find their purpose? And, and you don't, it's not this magical esoteric, you know, bullshit that you're going to, you're going in search of. Yeah. You need to go collect those experiences and those failures and falling down and it becomes illuminated through that. You figure out who you are through that. And you bring yeah. your passion to every single one of those things. And your purpose becomes illuminated at that point. That's how it works. Yeah, it does. I think that I think social the social narrative has gotten so soft that they make it seem like, you know, developing who you are, is something that you go out and discover. It's not something you discover. It's something you create. That's right, man. That's yeah. it. And I love that singularity of focus too. It reminds me of, you know, one of the big, honestly, one of the bigger shifting moments of my life, man, I was sitting watching uh pursuit of happiness as a young buck. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, uh, you know, the Chris Gardner story and you got Will Smith playing it and I didn't even have kids at the time, but he's on the floor of that BART station, you know, and sleeping there and he's locking the door, he's holding it shut, putting toilet paper down and he's laying there with his kid and he's just completely broken. And he's got, and I'm just going, man, I'm never, I, I will never be in a scenario where I've got, I want my kids to succeed. Um, and I want them to struggle in order to be able to succeed, but I don't want that. Right. And I'm not going to let that happen. Right. And it's that yeah. singular focus like that. It changed the trajectory of so much, man. Um, and your fo and I know you're focusing so much on helping the young generation, man. It's a big deal. The children's books, man. Talk about how those came about. Yeah. So, um, so I was flying to speak at an event for veterans at a uh, Sundance film festival yes, in 2015. And the event was based around veterans from the military transitioning out of the military into entrepreneurship. And at that time, I was speaking pretty regularly. I was speaking almost every every week. Um, I was, you know, I was doing a lot more than I do these days. Um, and and it was, you know, I'm a homebody man. Like I, and another thing about me is I'm a complainer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I'm on the, I was on the, I was on the plane and we were flying, I was flying. It was that we were on a private plane and it was like six or seven of us. And, um, I was, just, I was just bitching. I was like, dude, we're going to go here. This is going to be a waste of time. I'm going to talk. I'm going to tell all these guys what to do and none of them are going to do it. And, and that's very frustrating for me because I deal with that all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I got very heavily involved in the entrepreneur speaker space uh, to the point where, you know, now I'm perpetually ranked in the top 10 speakers in the world. I haven't spoken publicly in three years. So uh, I, I get tired of talking to people who are just there to listen and not act. And so I was venting that frustration. And as I'm venting the frustration, I started saying, you know, the problem is these people are too set in their ways at, at 30 years old to, to change them. They, they have too many excuses. They have too many stories. They won't overcome it. You know what we need to do? We need to, we need to write a book for, for like teenagers. That's what I, that was my initial set, what I initially said. And then I just kept talking and I was like, no, we're not, that's, I, that's too late anyway. These guys are already heard it from the teachers. They heard this, 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 this. We need to catch these kids when they're 12. And I'm like, wait, that's still too late because the parents don't know how to teach them. And then I was like, all right, we need to be, we need to start making cartoon books for little kids yeah, about man. success. Yeah. And like everybody on the plane was like looking at me with like, and I'm like, like I was just venting, but it would, you know, brilliance came out. Right. Yes. And then it became, um, so I started writing these six, these success books, which are basically tools for parents to read to their kids because I realized that a lot of parents don't understand what they should be teaching their children in order to succeed. So um, we started on, we started with the kids books and they've been best-selling books year after year after year. Uh, they're only getting bigger. And it's honestly, 
one of the most rewarding things I've ever no done doubt. because I can see that it matters. You know, like um, I see all the time, like our first book was uh, um, the books are based around my, my actual dogs, my, my bulldogs and they're called Otis and Charlie's um, hardworking tales. And the first one was about uh, my dog, Charlie opening a fruit stand because that's what I did when I was a kid, man, I did lemonade stand, you know? And uh, so we put the book out and it was really cool because I got within like two weeks, I got like hundreds of pictures of people who built fruit stands or lemonade stands or Kool-Aid stands with their kids, teaching their kids what entrepreneurship was so about. Awesome. And dude, that that's it. Then we went all in on it. And, you know, we, it's, it's becoming a, a really big brand part of part of our program. So, so rad, man. So yeah. rad. That's so Very cool. rewarding. Yeah. Hugely rewarding. And you're spot on on that, you know, on the parenting side and it's, what do we, again, we've been culturally conditioned and school has been a big, a big part of that, which is why we build them so freaking differently. But one of the hardest parts of, you know, the schools that we run because we are so different because we have everybody from five to 18 is either starting a business every year or they're taking their businesses into perpetuity. And that's just part of the program. It throws parents who just came, you know, went up to like schools like you and I did. They're like, okay, well, how do I, how do I help? Like, how do I support that? Yeah. I know how to say, do your homework and and you need algebra. I know how to say that, but I don't know what they actually need. You know, so one yeah. of the biggest parts is helping parents wrap their minds around that. How do you actually support the young person for that? You know? And I bet, I bet, and I'm just betting here, but I'll bet you that what that does is it helps parents refine their own skills and their own careers as well. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. That's exactly so, it. What it's literally manifested, man, is we've got, we had a lot of entrepreneurial parents on site. I end up holding weekly meetings for parent entrepreneurs just to pour into their businesses, right? It's, awesome. it's made them reevaluate their own. They, they're almost kind of starting from scratch and it's cool, man, because you see this, you got this five-year-old, six-year-old blank slate who is taking on all of this growth mindset from day one. So you see the trajectory there and then all of a sudden now they're 11 and they could literally go run, not, they're gonna be better employees or they could go run more com you know, companies better than freaking most adults could. Dude, right? But you're watching the trajectory awesome. of the parents at the same time, watching them grow, right? And it's just, yeah. dude, it is the best stuff. Um, I want to ask you one more, guys, I want you guys, you guys are gonna have uh, even better questions than I do. So start getting your hands up in there. I'm gonna call on you guys here in just a second. Um, you know, obviously I know you get questions around 75 hard all the time. I just, you know, before we even do that, I just want to thank you for it. It's something we've integrated. I had uh, high schoolers run through it as a project. Um, uh, last year, they had a whole bunch of things. They were able to earn credit around pushing themselves through that. And they created some rad videos around their journeys with that, which was huge. Um, and then as part of this program that these young men take on too, man, the last three months, um, that is, that is incorporated into what they do and they push themselves through it, man. So it's a, it's, you have more impact than you even realize with that. So I wanted to just thank you for that. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right, Antonio H., you are up first, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you for coming on this call. So I just wanted to ask, what key attributes that you portray in either your social life or when you're talking to other entrepreneurs that have made you such a sought-after public speaker, such a, how, now I would say, even a household name in public speakers? For sure. Um, well, first of all, you know, I didn't, I don't have a gift for speaking. I had to develop that. Um, my first meetings that I used to give for our team and our company would be like with myself and like six other guys. And, you know, I'd be holding the paper up in front of the group with my hand shaking. I was very nervous. Um, in fact, I got a D in public speaking in college. So um, I had to really develop that skill. And one of the ways I developed that skill was I played this little game where I would go into the grocery store and I would introduce myself to three people and have a conversation with them. Um, and then before I would allow myself to leave. So not just a, Hey, how you doing? Or, Hey, but like something like, you know, a one minute conversation, Hey, uh, um, I like those shoes you have, you know, tell me about them or whatever, you know, I, and I practiced my social skills for a number of years that way. And I think that really helped me develop my speaking skills because it removed the anxiety uh, from the scenario. So like, you know, and I can tell you guys for you, for you young, young men, 
It is hugely beneficial for you to work on your interpersonal skills, especially when most of your peers are uh, enamored and sucked into technology super hard. Okay. You're still going to have to learn how to shake a hand, look someone in the eye. And I think the, the, the two other things that have lended, lended uh, itself to me becoming that way is one, I was credible. I had already built a, 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 when I started speaking, my business was doing close to a hundred million dollars. So I had a credible story that was, um, you know, it wasn't just, Hey, I'm a speaker and I'm telling you what to do for those of you guys who aspire to be speakers, aspire to be entrepreneurs first and build something and then speak about how you grew it because you're going to be credible. Um, and I think the third thing is, is I am not afraid to be direct at all. And that comes from practice, uh, back in the day, uh, when I was a young, when I was a younger guy in business, I always had a lot of anxiety around having, uh, conversations that were difficult. And, uh, I got over it by having conversations that were difficult. And then, so what I did was I started my podcast and, um, the podcast gave me a lot of reps on speaking as well. Anything that you guys aspire to be to, you're going to look for opportunities to have repetition at it, right? If you want to be great with people, you have to have repetition at talking to people. If you want to be a great speaker, you've got to practice speaking, even if it's not in front of people. Maybe you, maybe you just start recording yourself on a podcast and not putting it out and just letting it go. You know, there's all kinds of ways to get reps. But I think those three things, one, I was credible. Um, two, I was direct. Uh, and what was the third one I said? I forgot getting the third those one. reps too. Getting, yeah. Getting the reps. Getting those reps. That's right. That's huge, man. Yeah. Antonio, what do you think? Thank you, sir. Yeah. You're welcome, brother. Beautiful. Kaleo, you are up, sir. Well, sir, thank you for coming on today. So you spoke a lot about mistakes and other learning opportunities. And I 100% agree with that. And it's a philosophy I try to apply with everything. Um, especially wrestling because I suck at it. And so one of my favorite questions to ask on here is what was your most influential mistake? And I really want to hear what your answer is. What mistake has, has helped you most? What mistake has pushed you most and taught you most? Good question. Oh man. You know, I think all the mistakes I've made have tremendous value. You know, I, it would be hard for me to say what's the, what's the most or what's the biggest, but I've made a lot of mistakes that have cost me seven figures at a time. Um, but those mistakes will, will make me eight figures now. So, because I learned a lesson, um, you name it, brother, any, any mistake you could possibly think of I've, I've made, like, uh, I would say one of my biggest mistakes was as when I, when I first got into a leadership role, um, I didn't really understand what being a leader meant. And I thought it meant just dictating out what to do. Um, you know, you guys have probably seen that meme around the internet where it shows the boss writing on the desk and all the, all the workers pulling it. And then it shows the leader out in front with all the workers pulling the desk without anybody sitting at it. Um, I was the first guy for a long time, which I didn't understand. I was a young man. I had no experience being a leader. Um, so my, you know, my leadership ability was weak. Uh, but also it was a necessary thing for me to go through because I feel like now it's made me into a stronger leader um, by, by acknowledging and, and being humble and being willing to admit that I was making those mistakes. And I think if you guys um, aspire to be great leaders, I think it's important for you to understand that even you are going to make mistakes and it's okay for you to be humble enough to admit those mistakes. And in fact, I believe that when you are a leader and you do uh, show humility to the mistakes that you made, it actually makes your team more solid and more, it makes your voice more credible with the team. So true. So true. Yeah. So, Thank you, sir. yeah, you're welcome. And, and stick with that wrestling, man. That's a, that's an awesome sport. It is, man. No, yeah. so true. And that's, you know, and the, the opportunity for, for you guys to take on those leadership positions as early as possible so that those fail, because when you, you are going to mess up in those reps and, but 
mess up now when those reps don't cost you as much as they do later on, right? Andy's talking about it costs them seven figures and it costs some people their marriages and, and the relationship with their kids and, you know, entire businesses. And, and when the stakes are that high, the mistakes are way more costly. So if you start early and make those reps now, the mistakes, you know, the trajectory getting back on the right track, man, there's, is so much easier to do. There's so much like... You guys, you young guys here, listen to what he just said. There's so much gold in what he just said. I would, I would cut that clip out that he just said, and I would literally watch that every single day. I, I think that's the biggest, most valuable thing that I did right was I made almost all of these mistakes when nobody was watching. Yeah. 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 That's it. I mean, it felt like everybody was watching, right? It of always course. felt like. Yeah. Cause like my brother and like my, my close people, it always feels like that, but like now we're, we're in the mainstream. So I, I, you know, I look a lot smarter than what I actually am. Yeah. You guys just didn't see me mess all that up. All of you the know? other things. That's right, man. That's right. Yeah. Malachi, go ahead, sir. All right. Thank you, sir, for coming on taking time to invest in us. Um, so I was listening to a podcast that you did with Tommy Best. And you guys seem to agree on a lot of things. And then right after that is another one with Tommy Vex and um, Hank Newsom, who is not the most agreeable person for both of you as far as the team. Yeah. But you guys seem to have a very productive conversation without anything escalating. So um, what would you say is the importance of having conversations with people who have opposite ideas? I think it's extremely important. And, and honestly, you know, the truth is Hawk is one of my good buddies. We don't agree on hardly anything. Okay. <laughs> we DM each other every day saying, Hey, what about this? And what about that? We have this healthy debate, but our hearts are both the same and we both want the best thing for people. And so um, I think having disagreements is an amazing way to come up with practical solutions and I think a lot of what you guys are observing here in the world is the division that is created uh, through the media to where it makes people afraid to have those kinds of conversations. And so we need more people to be less aggressive and understanding that, you know, Hawk, who, <clears throat> who you know, Tommy and I are very similar in our beliefs and Hawk is definitely on the other side. But at the end of the day, bro, we're all the same and we're trying to make things better for everybody. And he has his ideas. We have our ideas, but we all inhabit this space together and we need to get to a point where we can come up with some solutions. And the only way to come up with solutions is to have hard conversations. And to be completely honest is once you having hard conversations are only hard when you're anticipating the conversation. Once you get into the conversation, you'll actually experience a sense of relief because you're addressing a weight that you had to carry before. Uh, you, you know, we all have this, this idea how we, we start to paint how things are going to go in our heads before they go. And we usually end up psyching ourselves out. And I'll be honest with you. I was pretty nervous to have Hawk on the show because I didn't know how that was going to go. Um, but I think whenever you treat people with respect, I think whenever you, uh, you know, try to get to the common ground and then work out from there, good things happen. And you know what? Uh, I, Hawk has in a very short time become one of my really good friends and we don't agree on hardly anything, but we agree on like life. Like we listen to the same music. We love cars. We love guns. We have a lot in common. And so we start there and then we work out. And, um, you know, it, it's, I think it's important for true leadership um, to have conversations with people who disagree with them for the betterment of everybody. Uh, and I think that's something that's lacking right now in society. I think if we look on Instagram or we look on social media or podcasts or the news, we see a lot of people who are only having these difficult conversations in real life in order to burn each other for, for traffic on the internet. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's totally counterproductive to what we need to do here in America. You know, we need to be able to look at each other and say, Hey, I don't hate you. And I don't think you hate me. Let's talk about how we can get this better for everybody. And, and, you know, I, I think real leadership that in my opinion, that's what it looks like. And so that's why, why I do those things. It's rad. No, it's rad. 
Perfect. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And I appreciate Welcome, it. Welcome, Thank you. Yeah, Dave, uh, Dave Rubin, you know, phenomenal guy. We worked, got to work together on the, the No Safe Spaces movie we put out. And we've had Dave come for a, a couple of our events with, with some of the young people that are having healthy debates on things. And Dave, um, you know, he preaches this quite a bit, too, in the civil discourse. And I've seen, I love watching him in real time, too, because we have so many people that will always show up to these events just to do exactly what you said. They just want to argue to get the traffic that they can post later that they were arguing. And Dave never takes the bait, man. It's always like, okay, cool. Let's, where can we find the common ground first? Cause I think we're actually in agreement on a whole lot of things. If your intentions are, are, if if your intentions are team first. Yeah. Okay. So if, whether you're an entrepreneur or a social influencer, I happen to be both. Um, My goal when I'm inside my company is company first, whatever's best for everybody. Um, when I'm doing my show and I'm talking about social issues, my focus is on what's good for the country. And, you know, um, our culture has suffered because of, of, of the inability to have those conversations. And the real, the really, the real, tra- the real tragedy there is, is that, you know, now everybody's living in these echo chambers where everybody they hang out with thinks the same thing. Um, everybody they follow online thinks the same thing. And I just don't believe in that. I don't think that's what, make Amer- what makes America special. I think what makes America special is that we come from all different histories, all different races, all different places, and we're able to coexist and work together for a better future for everybody. That's right. And, um, you know, having difficult conversations is the fundamental foundation for those things. So true. So good, yeah. man. So good. All right, Parker, you're up, sir. Thank you, sir, for coming on here. And my question for you is, how would you define maturity? Hmm. Uh, you know, I got a lot of gray hair, brother. You know, I think maturity, I think maturity is a, uh, I think maturity is a lifelong mission. I think, you know, if you, I think if you, you know, read the books and listen to the experts, they're going to tell you, you know, you're supposed to be mature uh, by the time you're 25 and you should be this and that. And I think we all mature in different areas at different rates. Um, like, dude, I'm 42 years old. I'm still laughing at fart jokes. Okay. Like, that's funny. Um, but the truth of it is, is that, you know, I'm still learning as a 42 year old man, how to be a better man. And that's becoming more mature. Um, and so I think it's important to look at these things, these expectations that uh, society puts on you guys and, and to understand that a lot of these things are lifelong journeys. And some of you are going to accelerate in certain areas of maturity quicker. Uh, some of you are going to be slower in other areas. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's just the way people are. And certain experiences that you have along the way are going to drive maturity. You know, a lot of things that I did in my 20s, I didn't do in my 30s. A lot of things I did in my 30s, I don't do now. So, um, or I do, I do better in other areas. So, you know, I think it's important to recognize that you're, all of you guys are human. Um, You're all going to mature at different rates and paces and that's okay. And, and I think again, the importance is surrounding yourself. What I try to do is I try to surround myself with people who are strong where I'm weak. Um, and I think, you know, the first acknowledgement of that process is to understand that where you're weak, you know? So, um, but you know, when it comes to maturity, man, you know, I think the biggest thing is for you guys is to identify who you want to be, uh, what it is you're trying to be, and live the best that you can along those value lines uh, every single day. And yeah. when you make mistakes, which you will, that's okay. Take audit of those mistakes and try not to make them again. And I think that's, I think that's, that's what I would say to that. It's huge. I love that answer. What do you think, Parker? Thank you. That was um, awesome. I asked this question to basically everybody that comes on here, and that was by far my favorite answer I've gotten. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Good work, sir. Aiden, go ahead, sir. 
thank you for coming on Mr. Priscilla. I really do appreciate it. So talking about kind of those two things that you had said to really take entrepreneurship all the way to, to a level of success that so many people ne- can never even imagine achieving discipline and skills. So w- within the realm of, of skills, what are some of those skills that you see as being more important than others, perhaps specifically just to narrow it down a little bit as far as salesmanship or marketing abilities or product development? Yeah, yeah. So for sure, I'm happy to answer that. Um, the two skills that all of you should aspire to develop uh, is one, how to, how to lead or how to manage people, okay? Which, which is the reason leaders and managers get paid the most money is because it's the hardest job, all right? Uh, you're dealing with multiple personalities. You're dealing with all kinds of different thoughts, all kinds of different opinions. And being someone who can sit at a table with 15 other people and get all their input and then come up with a plan uh, and then get them all to follow that plan is a skill set in its own. And so there's a real good book out there that I would like you guys to look into um, on leadership. It's actually called The Five Dysfunctions of the Team. Um, It's a great book. It explains how to basically run meetings and how to get people um, to buy in and what it takes for them to buy into ideas and thoughts. So I think that's the, that's the one skill. And the other skill is how to sell. Okay. A lot of people don't understand how to sell. Uh, And I'm not saying build a funnel on the internet and, and I'm talking about actually understanding the psychology of how to sell and how to create uh, sales through your communications with other people. And a lot of you guys probably have the, uh, the preconceived understanding of sales uh, as a lot of people do, which is, you know, when I say, Hey, how to sell a lot of people automatically think of like the used car salesman or someone who's pushy or someone who's slick talking. That's really, that's really not sales at all. What sales really is, is figuring out what someone's actual problem is and then solving it in a genuine way. And with the goal of them referring you to their friends and the people around them in their network. So the better you solve the problem, uh, the better you sell. So those two skills, learning how to manage and lead and then learning how to sell will take you a long, long, long way because they're so rare. And, you know, understanding the, the new technology, uh, which is just the way you guys have grown up, I call it new because it's not the way it's always been, but, you know, e-com and building funnels and ads and all these things, that's important. But if you don't understand the psychology of why and how people buy, you're not going to be very effective at that either. So I would recommend those two skills to be your main focal points. Uh, and then the rest of the skills you need, you'll sort of develop as you go. Thank you so much, Mr. Frisilla. And then the one other thing that I wanted to say is that since I was introduced to you through this program, through Apogee, through Mr. Matt, and prior to that, I've listened to so many different podcasts, everyone from Ed Milet to Joel Marion, and listening to the MF CEO and the Q&AF, I got to say, you beat the heck out of all of them. I really do appreciate it. It's, it's just <laughs> it's you, great brother. content. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's awesome, man. Uh, and you guys listen to that, the, you know, the solving, solving problems thing, shift your mindset. You get a lot of adults that are going to, they're going to come to you. Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you, what do you want to do when you grow up? I hate that question for you guys, because the question should be, what problems do you want to solve? And that doesn't yes. need to be when you grow up. I'm 42 as well. Growing up is, is a, you know, that's questionable. And it's a choice. We're still growing right? up. We're still growing up. That's the, yeah. that's the joke, man. That's the, that's the yeah. punchline of all this is we're still growing too right? We're still growing up. So what are the problems you want to solve? Shift that. And that, by the way, doesn't have to wait for a specific time to start. It starts right now. You know, it's such, that's wisdom right there, you guys. So I hope you guys are taking notes on that. All right, Charlie, we got two more, you guys, last, last two right here, because we want to honor Mr. Frizzella's time. So Charlie, go ahead, sir. Yeah, about 75 hard. What kind of uh, was the the inspiration behind that? Is that right, Charlie? Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got it. I was, it was cutting out here too, but I think I got it. Um, so 75 harm came about because I recognized that there is a massive need for, so look, you're, I'm going to give you a little backstory. All right. Like I said, in the beginning of the call, I don't have special things about me. It, It might appear that way now, but it's not, it's not true. Um, if you guys knew me, 
when I was a teenager, I was chubby. I was, I was, I was not confident. Um, I wasn't cool. I wasn't someone, you know, I didn't run the school and shit like that. Like that's not, I was the guy that people, I just kind of did my own thing. I happened to be good at sports, uh, which gave me a little bit of recognition, but outside of that, I wasn't very social. Um, and I didn't have a lot of friends. So, you know, I, I used to look at people through this process of growing up uh, and I always struggled with my weight. OK, I was naturally a, a, a fat kid. Um, so and I still struggle with it. It's something I have to keep tabs on. But what I I can remember being young, uh, you know, your guys's age and thinking, looking at people and, and trying to analyze what it is that they have that I didn't have. And I used to always think like I look at people who were very disciplined and who could stick to a diet and who could stick to a training program. And I would wonder what it was that made them able to do something that was so incredibly difficult for me. And so that's where the thoughts started. The thoughts started for 75 hard when I was your guys's age. And then I became a student of trying to figure out the psychology behind what made people disciplined versus what made people undisciplined. Because I realized that certain people did have it and certain people didn't. And my mistake in thinking this was that it was something that you were born with versus something that you created. And so I started to toy and, and, and create and experiment with different thoughts and ideas and systems for myself over the course of the next 20 years. And what 75 hard is basically a combination of all the things that when I did perfectly, my life was the best that it could be. And so what we have to realize and what you young men need to realize right now is the things that you observe in myself or other people that you may look at and say, what does that guy have that I don't have? The answer is nothing. The answer is those people put in the work to develop the skills, right? Okay. Discipline is a skill. Fortitude is a skill. Perseverance is a skill. Grit is a skill. And the way you have, the way you get to use those skills is you have to build them up just like a bank account. If you need a hundred dollars and you never put a hundred dollars in the bank account, guess what? Not You're not there. getting a hundred dollars. Okay. <laughs> so these skills that we talk about with 75 hard, discipline, grit, perseverance, self-esteem, self-confidence, uh, fortitude, the ability to persevere. These skills um, really truly dictate our entire lives. Because if you don't have the discipline to control what it is you put in your mouth, what kind of discipline do you actually have, right? Very little. So. 75 hard was put together as a tool for other people to start to develop these skill sets in themselves. And, and that's the purpose of the program. You know, there's lots of ways to get in shape. There's lots of ways to train, but there's not a whole lot of ways to really put yourself in uncomfortable situations that make that discipline account or that grit account that you all have, right? Just like, those of you guys who game and you play Madden football or one of the sports games and, you know, at their speed, 99 and power, 99, those are, that's discipline, that's grit, that's perseverance in your life. And so what your goal to be uh, is, is the best that you can be. So what you have to do is constantly test yourself and build skills in those areas. And you do that through suffering. I'm afraid to say, like, it's a very difficult, uh, but once you embrace it, and once you look at it and you say, all right, dude, look, I'm going to get way better by doing this. Now it becomes a different game. It becomes a game of improvement. It becomes a game of how much better can I get? And when you get to that place, instead of the place where it's like, oh, man, I got to do my 45 minute workout at, you know, midnight and when everybody else is sleeping. No, dude, the way you should look at that is no one else is doing this. No one's doing this. I'm doing this. Okay. And that's how it starts to build within you. Right. So the per that's how 75 hard came about. I met a really incredible dude named James Lawrence. You guys might know who that is. Iron um, and he helped me put it all together in my head of how it needed to be. 
Uh, he's done some incredible things, man. He just ran 101 uh, full length Ironmans in 101 consecutive days. Previous to that, uh, he had run an Ironman in all 50 states in 50 days. Uh, so this guy, this guy's incredibly mentally tough. And meeting him was something that helped me put it all together in my mind of how to really cultivate the power that we're leaving on the table when we observe other people and we say, man, that guy's really gifted at this or that, or he has this. No, you can have those things too. You just have to make the investments in those areas of your life. So don't let anybody tell you that you don't have these things or you weren't born with them because they aren't traits, they're skills. So good. So good, man. Yeah. Iron Cowboy is an amazing human. Um, what he, I mean, just phenomenal. He's, a, he's an amazing human all the way around. Yes, sir. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the shift there, like what you're saying, building that out and you're shifting that mindset from, oh man, I have to, to no, I get to, nobody else is doing it and I get to, I get yeah. to do that. And you make that transition, man. And that transcends every freaking thing in your life. It is, ah, you guys, this is a a masterclass, man. So we have the last one. Uh, Elliot, you got the last question, sir. Go for it. Thank you, sir. It is really, it's really nice to hear you. It's been a very good, an hour listening to you. Thank Uh, you. My question is, so I come from a, I have, I work at my family's restaurant. So I work and I have a comfortable life. Um, How do I get the skills that you have gotten over the years with living this comfortable life. Okay. There, there's nothing right? wrong with that. The, the fact that you acknowledge that is, is means you're in a great spot, brother. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. I have a lot. I, a lot of you guys will hear on the entrepreneur side, you'll hear these crazy stories about how they started with nothing. The fact that you don't have to start with nothing is a great advantage, but you don't want to take it for granted. You want to still have to be able to make the develop. You're not handicapped by where you are unless you take it for granted. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. So if you don't take it for granted, you're a tremendous advantage, right? You have parents. uh, You probably have people all around you that are learning, that you can learn this business from, that you can grow from. And you should be listening to those guys. And then other thing is, um, and what I hear from that question is, this is how I hear that question. I hear that question as, hey, I live a comfortable life. I'm a little afraid that it might be too comfortable and I'm not developing what I need to develop. And just the awareness that you have of that will keep you from that happening to you. Okay. Um, Because most people don't really appreciate or recognize where they come from. A lot of my friends who are very successful entrepreneurs grew up in similar type situations. In fact, um, my, my dad was a business owner growing up. So he had a family business as well. He, he ended up, it ended up not going real well at the end, but that's okay. Uh, so it wasn't like we were, we were starving growing up. So I don't want you to get that idea. Like we, we ate, we had a good life, you know, it was all good. Um, and, and I'm just being honest with you, you know, you know, sometimes when entrepreneurs have done very big things, they like to glorify how hard it's been because it sounds good. Okay. So don't ever be discouraged by that. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing for you, brother, is going to be to constantly put, surround yourself with the right people that you're doing right now. Uh, don't be ashamed of, of having the life that you have and the parents you have. That's amazing. And that's something that most people don't have. And then don't take it for granted and utilize the opportunity you have to take it, um, you know, to the next, to the next level, you know, how, how many restaurants do, do you, do you guys have? So my dad, he's an, he's an Italian immigrant. So he came from Italy and we've opened three Italian restaurants. That's awesome. Our parent, my mom has opened another, another Acton, yeah. another Acton Academy here down in Silicon Valley. That is super cool, man. Yeah. So, so, so my, I think, you know, you should be saying to yourself, if your plan is to go to the family business or whatever it is later, um, how do I take this and how do I take it worldwide? Right. Make the goal so big that you have to, you have to learn skills and progress in ways that your parents don't even know yet. Right. So that's your responsibility. That's what I would say to any of you, any of you that are coming through uh, a situation where, you know, your parents have done well, um, they're doing well, you know, ask yourself, how can I, how can I take this further? How can I get bigger? How can I grow more? How can I, how can I contribute more? Because the, the problem with multi-generational entrepreneurs 
is that they they look at it as, oh, I'm just going to get this and everything's going to be great. And instead of thinking, how can I improve upon this, which is honestly what every single parent wants for their kids. Every parent wants their kids to do better than what they did. All right. So, you know, make your goal really big, brother. Like, look at like, how do I how do I create um, you, you know, like, like how I would think about this, if I were you is okay, how do I create these Italian restaurants all over the world? Or how do I create a sauce company? Or how do I create a food service company that services all these, re- like, there's so many avenues that you're blessed to be able to have insight on right now. Um, just don't take it for granted, which I can already tell you're not. Yeah, no, they've taught me a lot. They've taught yeah. me how to run a business. They've taught me all the job. They've taught me all the things. And they've taught me so much that I've opened, not opened, I've created my own business and they've taught me, they teach me more and more how to do certain things. And that is progressing for me to get like more and more. I have more and more customers and more and more people that come to see what I have. That's awesome, man. And you know, the main thing is, you know, I just want to let you know, as you go through life and you take this and you make it bigger and you make it your own, you're always going to have people that are going to say, well, yeah, but your parents, blah, blah, blah. No, you, that's you. Okay. So don't ever let people tell you that. That's right. That's right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Beautiful brother. This, I mean, a true master class, uh, just on humanity in general, man, not just being a young man, but just being a good human being, man. So super grateful. Is there anything that we can possibly do? I got some things that I want to send you. I'm hoping, um, to get out there and, and, uh, meet with, uh, with Mike and Andrew at some point too. So if you're out there in the area, you know, I'd love to obviously come by and, and say of hi, course. man, yeah. but, um, anything we can possibly do anywhere you would send some people, like what, what can we do to help, uh, anything that you've got going on, brother? Oh, you know what, man, honestly, just getting in here and and talking to the fellas has been a tremendous gift already. So like, you know, I just appreciate you guys and I appreciate you uh, having me on and and letting me speak to the guys directly. Grateful, sir. So rad. Um, I'm going to take these guys through a little bit of things, but I'm going to reach out to you this weekend. If there's, I got some things I at least want to send you, Uh, man, this is a small thing. Yeah, dude, if you come in, we'll do a show. I'll have you on the show. I want to get Tim on the show too. So we'll get him um, out. Yeah. You know, we've got to, we've got to. We got a pretty good audience and people are hungry for what you guys are doing. True story, man. True story. Yeah, yeah we'll get him out. He's uh he's almost off of of uh detention where he's allowed to travel a little bit more too. So um yeah, okay. we'll get out there, brother. Dude, so right. grateful for you, my friend. Likewise, brother. Thank you guys so much. And uh you guys keep your heads up, keep working. Remember what I said. You're gonna make mistakes, just try not to make them twice. That's it, man. Give a big thanks, you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you. Appreciate you guys guaranteed you are fired up right now so go give andy a follow if you don't follow him already at andy frizella check out what they're doing at first forum check out his podcast give yourself a challenge uh, going through the 75 hard whatever you got to do but uh, definitely follow along with what this man is doing because he's out there changing the world appreciate you all listening we'll catch you guys next time